0: What do baking, books, and boyfriends all have in common? If you're thinking that they all start with the letter B, well, you're half right. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable... We'll leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I've been thinking about my grandparents a lot lately for some reason. It might be because my mom passed away recently and I've been seeing the impact that has had on our kids. Or it might be because I'm talking to my dad a lot about his upbringing I'm not sure exactly why, and I don't even know if it matters. What I do remember is that in Season 5, Episode 7 of Good Story, entitled Mistaken Identity Part 2, I shared with you my first impressions of some old woman who was insisting she was my grandma, and it turned out she was. I just wasn't aware of it, not because of some crazy family secret, but more because I was four years old and was figuring out for the first time that it was possible to have more than one grandma. Fortunately, my earliest impression of her was not the one that made the deepest impact on me. In fact, in that episode, I said I could say so much more about my grandma and promised to do so in an upcoming good story. That time has come, and that's exactly what I'm going to do today. What do baking books and boyfriends all have in common? My Grandma Broman. (laughs) My Grandma Broman talked a lot, but she listened well. My growing up years were all spent in the state of Minnesota. My Grandma Broman, throughout that whole time, lived in California. She'd come once a year for a visit. She'd stay about four to six weeks. And I remember loving the day she arrived. My dad would drive to the airport with one or a few of us kids while we were young. Later on, when we got a little older, we got to be the ones to drive and pick her up. One time, I remember getting off of an exit and my car kind of going a little crazy and jumping up onto some median, and that was a problem. But that's not, I don't even know why I'm sharing that. That's maybe going to be a story different time. I don't know. Probably not. But I loved going to the airport to pick up my grandma. (laughs) That's it. My dad would drive to the airport with one of us. We'd park, we'd look up her arrival information, and we would walk right to her gate. We'd stand up on the railing when we were younger so we could get the first glimpse of her walking down the jetway toward the door. She always looked the same to me. She had a twinkle in her eye. She'd have a dress on. She always wore a dress. She refused. She refused to not wear a dress. Most often, it was a pink dress. It was her favorite color. Nylons and sensible walking shoes. Sometimes at home, she would wear what she called her house dress. But mostly, she dressed up. I can picture her coat as well. It was a tweed with shades of pink. I can picture the buttons. She told us it was her visiting coat, because she'd only wear it when she'd come north to visit us. She came the same time every year, mid to late December, right before Christmas, and she'd stayed through January. A few times she'd stay right up until her birthday on February 10th, which I loved. It might seem strange to some for an older woman to come up north in the winter. Most people would head south to get away from the cold and snow, but she loved cold and snow. She lived for years in Duluth, Minnesota, and Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and she loved winter and wanted to experience it. She didn't want to give that up. She also loved baking and books and hearing about our boyfriends. My grandma baked the most wonderful rolls. They were buttery. They had just a hint of brown on the top that made like this crusty sound when you broke into the roll. They would be hot and steamy. She used to put butter on them, a little apricot or apricot jam, we'd argue about that, and a little white cheese. It was, I don't know, it was delicious. I don't know if it was like a Scandinavian thing or my grandma Broman thing, but either way, the jam and the cheese and the hot roll and butter just melted in your mouth. She also made cakes and lefse and a variety of cookies. Everything she made was delicious. As I think about it now, it was probably good she was helping out so much in the kitchen, like what with staying for six weeks and all. What I learned from watching her bake was this. She enjoyed doing it. She would freak out, though, if the dishwasher was open and we would like run into the kitchen. Careful! She'd yell. She, she was just so afraid that we would trip and fall and hurt ourselves on a knife. She would get mad if we walked near her while she was baking without a hair not, hairnet on. Which I can say was 100% of the time because we didn't have hair nets. She wore one though. She did not want a stray hair in her wools. Neither did we, but we just didn't plan on shaking our head over the dough. She also loved books. She was an avid reader. She read through her Bible, wait for it, ready, multiple times a year. Like seriously, even more than two, multiple times. She also read and loved the whole Anne of Green Gables series. So did we. (laughs) She read to us from the Little House on the Prairie books when we were younger. At night, many times I'd go into her room when I was in junior high on up. I'd sit on her bed and I'd read a Grace Livingston Hill novel to her. We'd read a few chapters a night. If you're unfamiliar with this author, let me just help you out a bit. Okay, think Hallmark movie in a book with Christian characters. So, predictable plots, predictable people, lost loves, happily ever after. Did I say that right? Happily ever, yeah. Happily ever after endings. (laughs) Here's what Wikipedia had to say about Grace Livingston Hill. She was an early 20th century novelist and wrote both under her real name and the pseudonym Marsha MacDonald. I'm not sure what those... I have to look a little bit more about that because, like, why did she use a pseudonym? Like, what was Marsha MacDonald doing that Grace Livingston Hill wasn't writing about she was known as the Queen of Christian Romance. She like invented that kind of variety. She was born in Wellsville, New York, which I find fascinating because that's kind of near where my younger sister lives. She was born in Wellsville, New York in 1865. She published over a 100 popular novels and tons of short stories. She wrote her first novel because she wanted to make enough money for her family. She was widowed. They were living in Florida at the time, and she wanted to make enough money to go, to va- to go on a vacation up in Chautauqua, New York. But she, she was successful with that and then continued writing whenever she needed to for money. She died in 1947 in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. Grace was my grandma's type of author. My grandma was a romantic, and she loved a good romance novel. I knew my mom wasn't a big fan of these books, so I relished my time sitting with my grandma reading about all that ridiculous nonsense that does not represent real life. My grandma told me she could vividly picture every scene because I was such an excellent reader, so I would read with a little over-the-top inflection. Here's a quick synopsis of a book, just so you get the idea. This is the summary of Crimson Roses, which when I saw the cover of it, when I was Googling it, I totally remembered. Crimson Roses, a lonely girl left with a brother and unfriendly sister-in-law when her father dies. She decides she will strike it out on her own in the big city instead of going to the country with them. But... Who is leaving great, expensive, red, long-stemmed roses on her seat when she sacrifices some of her precious earnings to buy season tickets to the symphony? And how did the roses get to her when she was sick? Will her wonderful mystery end when the season is over? Right? Okay, you get the picture. Not only did my grandma love reading all these books about romance, she told story after story about her great love by Grandpa Broman. Her Harold, her husband's name was Harold, my dad's name is Harold, my brother's name is Harold, although we all call him Gus. That was a little agreement that my mom and dad had worked out. Let me correct myself, though. We all called him Gus. Everyone called him Gus except my grandma Broman. She never did. She would only call him little Harold and found it atrocious that my dad gave him such a horrible nickname as Gus. My grandma had opinions and she shared them. She also shared with us many stories. She loved telling stories about her life. In fact, when she'd tuck us into bed at night, and when she'd visit, she would tuck us in, and she would tell us a story about growing up. She'd talk about her sisters and her parents and brothers and, of course, my grandpa. She told us what it was like for her to be in high school. She told us stories about her colleague and living through the Depression. We loved it when she would tell stories. And then she would ask us questions about our lives. She'd ask me questions about my life. We wouldn't just sit and start discussing it, though. She'd trick me into conversation by offering to play a game with me. Her favorite game was Scrabble. We'd play it for hours. She taught me all kinds of words. XU is a word. It's a monetary unit in Vietnam. I can still hear her. QI is a word, too. It's a Chinese medical term referencing life energy forces, but we don't believe that she would say. Joe, J-O, means sweetheart or dear in Scottish, but the plural isn't J-O-S. Remember to add a E. It's J-O-E-S. My grandma was a bit competitive on the Scrabble board. <laughs> she never would give us hints or helps, and she would crush us every time she could. If she got the letter Q, when she'd play it, she'd tell the same joke. She'd tell it because the first time she said it, I cried. And she thought it was so funny. She played the cue and said, I don't like you." Well, I'm sure you can imagine what I thought she said, right? I thought she said, I don't like you. And she, so she was, I don't like you," And I burst into tears. And my grandma burst out laughing. She, she explained to me the mistake, but I never really thought it was that funny. Still, every time we'd play, she played the cue, she'd say it. And if on the far out chance I'd start to win... I could guarantee she would play something in some interesting place on the board. And she would say this. Sometimes I think it's even more fun to play interesting words than it is to win. And I think to myself, yeah, like every time you're losing. But I didn't say that out loud because I was just the tiniest bit afraid to. If we weren't playing Scrabble, we'd be working on a crossword puzzle together. She taught me how to read the clues carefully and what it meant if one ended with a question mark. It was during these games and these puzzles, she'd engage me in conversation and ask about my life. How was school? How was church? Were there any boys that I liked? If I did, what were their names? What were they like? Why did I like them? Did they love the Lord? Etc. She has great questions, and in our times of conversations, she wouldn't correct me. Unless, of course, I said something was awesome. Then the conversation all had to be put on pause. You see, my grandma's a little funny about words. If we ever said something was, oh, that's so awesome, she'd say, it is not. Think of another word. Only God is awesome. One time I said, well, God is good, too. But if someone asked me how dinner is, I might just say it's good. She responded, God saw it all that he had made, and he called it good. <laughs> Whatever. I'll never forget the Christmas when she was in town and we gathered around the TV to watch a Christmas movie. We were all sat down. We were all going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. My parents weren't that into TV unless it was sports, right? My dad was. Um, And they were even less into movies. So the fact that this was happening, that our family was going to sit together and watch a movie on TV, was way too exciting for me to handle. I couldn't believe it. We all gathered into the room where our TV was, which my mom called the library because it was full of books and our TV was closed up in a cabinet in the room. So we were all gathered around this hidden TV that was now exposed, the music started, the prayers began, the angels were talking, we were watching, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Okay. The angels were talking, the angels and God were conversing together, and somewhere along the line, we heard the phrase, every time a bell rings, an angel gets their wings. That was the final straw. My grandma got up off the couch and said, that is False i will not listen to this nonsense angels do not earn wings i'm going to bed you shouldn't watch this either and she left <laughs> i remember looking at my mom and was ready to get up and shut the tv off and my mom smiled the tiniest smile and said well we should see if he earns his wings i couldn't believe it i am probably the only person in the world who felt like watching the 1946 christmas classic it's a wonderful life was an act of rebellion But so be it. Again, my grandma talked a lot but listened well. And to a young girl, an adolescent girl, a college-aged woman, and a new mom, that was super important to me during all those phases and stages of life. I invited my grandma to come visit me when we lived in Illinois. I wanted her to teach me how to bake her rolls, which I sort of learned, and then picked up again when we were in quarantine in April. I had to phone a friend, though, for some assistance had a lovely time with my grandma. I asked her about her Bible reading. I asked her how she got started reading it and why she read it so much and how on earth she could read it so many times in a year. She told me as a young woman, she'd gotten into the habit of reading the morning paper first thing and would check her horoscope. She said, I didn't really believe it, but I thought it would be fun to see if something might happen to me in the day. Then she said one day she got up, was going to do it and thought, you know what? If I really want direction for my life, if I really want direction for my day, if I really want a hint about something that might happen, I'll read the Bible instead because the Bible is truth. And she said, I haven't missed a day since. She was definitely a woman of the word. For years, she taught the adult Sunday school class at her church. It was the church where my parents met. My dad had come home from medical school. and My grandma Broman suggested he take out their pastor's daughter, Margaret Ann. <laughs> Thank goodness she did. And I mean that in the true sense of the word, Goodness. <laughs> I didn't agree with my grandma about everything. I wore jeans. I got my ears pierced. I continued to say that things were awesome. I don't read Grace Livingston Hill books. (laughs) And I've watched It's a Wonderful Life multiple times throughout the years. But my relationship with my grandma wasn't about agreeing with her. It was about being with her. And that was a valuable lesson she taught me. She knew we thought differently in a variety of areas, and she encouraged me to speak up so she could hear what I was thinking. So I did. Different opinions, same love. I know my cousins likely would be able to say the same thing. In fact, they spent a lot more time with her than we did because they were living in California with her. I'm sure they had heard many times different opinions that she had. But I have to say, I had no doubt, even if she thought I was doing or saying something wrong, I had no doubt that she loved me regardless. She showed me what it was to love unconditionally. First John 4.12 says this, No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Of course, I haven't seen God yet. We have not. The writer of this book had. John had seen God in the person of Jesus. He was beloved by Jesus. He was super close with Jesus. And what did John say? If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That doesn't mean we earn God's entry into our heart. If I love someone, God will come in, so let me try that. Nope, that's backwards. Instead, it means... That, hey, we can't see God, but let me tell you something. When we love one another, that's evidence of his presence in us, and there's a completeness to his love that supersedes human love. Humans can love people who love them. Humans can love people that think the same way that they do. But we can love someone with a differing opinion. Yes, we can love a friend, but also we can love an enemy. I'd love to encourage us myself included, to think more deeply about how we can love more fully those with whom we might disagree. I encourage us to think more deeply about how we can share our opinions and listen to the opinions of others, but to do so in the context of love, humbly and gracefully, Continuing to love those that are around us, those that cross our paths, with a love that supersedes the love that we could give on our own. God is love. And he tells us that we are to love him, not just with words and tongue, but in actions and in truth. It is difficult to love those that you feel are in opposition to you. Lord, help us all. Help us as believers to love well. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love with the love you've given to us. Help us to love others so well so that your love is made complete in us as we love others. Thank you that you can do that. Thank you that you love us well. Help us to love others in the same way. Lord, I thank you for my grandma. Show me what it was like to share an opinion, to talk a lot, and to listen well. Lord, help me to listen well and to love well. In your name I pray. Amen.